seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie Easton. This, this is the Sunday Seven. On today's episode of the Sunday Seven, we catch up on the latest in AI at Tech Week and find out what Paul McCartney's been up to. Learn more about an Ohio COVID mystery. Introduce you to your dating avatar and discover why Reddit went dark this week. That's all still to come on the Sunday 7, but on this day in 1983, Sally Ride became the first American woman to fly into space as an astronaut on a space shuttle mission. This week saw London's Tech Week celebrate its 10th anniversary. It's an annual gathering of the brightest and best to discuss the latest innovations, and this year the focus was firmly on AI and the potential it holds. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak was busy making a pitch to turn the UK into the home of AI in Europe as he spoke on the tectonic plates in technology shifting. It's the UK where Google chose to bring together its entire AI division under the leadership of a Brit. And if our goal is to make this country the best place in the world for tech, AI is surely one of the greatest opportunities before us. His proposal to give AI a home in the UK stands in contrast to the EU's current view on the tech, with the European Parliament moving to impose a legislative framework on AI and its use. The Irish Data Protection Commissioner also asked Google to pause the rollout of its AI tool Bard this week due to concerns over privacy. Labour leader Sakir Starmer made an appearance on the stage and spoke about the potential power of AI in medicine as an additional diagnostic tool, but he sounded much more cautious than Rishi over the threat that the tech might also pose. I'm really struck by the speed of acceleration of development in AI. And so we need to put ourselves in a position to take advantage of the great benefits, but guard against the risks. And while it seems like AI is the single hottest topic right now, there was an unexpected twist this week, as the power of AI made itself felt in the music of the Beatles. It turns out Peter Jackson used AI to help separate out John Lennon's voice during the making of the Get Back documentary, and now Macca has told the BBC they've used the same tech for what's going to be the last ever Beatles single. So when we came to make what will be the last Beatles record. It was a demo that John had that we worked on and we've just finished it up. It'll be released this year. We were able to take John's voice and get it pure through this AI so that then we could mix the record as you would normally do. It's estimated that 50 million people worldwide are living with dementia, and as the global population rises, that number is expected to triple by 2050. Scientists and researchers have spent years working on solutions to slow or cure the disease, and there have been some promising breakthroughs, but still no definitive answer. Now, new research suggests that something as simple as socialisation, particularly for those in middle age, may help to delay or reduce the rates of the illness. I'm delighted to welcome to the Sunday 7, Dr. Andrew Summerlad, uh, who's at the UCL uh, in psychiatry. How are you, Dr. Andrew? Very good, thank you. Talk to us a little bit about this, because this is intriguing. As a man who's, let's be honest, not getting any younger, your study shows that the more socially active we are, at what kind of age uh, lowers the risk of dementia? Have I still got time to help myself? Yeah, well, we certainly think so. I mean, there's huge importance in thinking about ways uh, that individuals can reduce their risk of dementia, as well as on a kind of population level, trying to reduce the number of people that that, that have dementia. And there's good evidence that, that there are several different things that people can do. And our interest and our research uh, is in um, the ways in which people can increase their social participation um, and uh, how that might have an impact on risk of developing dementia. And obviously, 
COVID and lockdowns played a huge part in in lowering the level of people's social interaction. Has there been any evidence to suggest that that's, that's going to be a problem in, in, in years to come? There's certainly studies conducted. It tells us something about how social policy can have a real impact on how socially active people are able to be and I think this is an area that's really important. And when we're talking about social interactivity, what kind of thing are we talking about? It's, you know, social socially connected housing was a was a phrase that was used in in the study what does that what does that actually mean yeah so i mean our research has shown that having more frequent social contact with other people supportive contact and contact that makes people feel less lonely is probably the most important in terms of having an impact on dementia risk a critical time for for um for people to change their social contact is as they as they get older as they retire and um, thinking about ways in which people can be supported over the time of retirement to keep and maintain activities that makes them socially connected with others and also um, to live in communities where there is you know there is not the kind of sense of disconnection where there is a good um, good link within the community um, is is likely to be really important so it's not just about keeping your brain active you know we always encourage the elderly to you know do the sudoku and watch countdown and all the rest of it that's fine but it's not the be all and end all we need to have that that human touch right i think that's right and i think there's you know there is nothing as uh, as good at keeping your brain active as talking to other people where you have you know the, the need to have kind of dexterity in your conversation to remember things that people have told you all of that is is fantastic exercise for the brain and a, a good way to keep it healthy well andrew thank you so much for joining us i mean even in these few minutes you've helped me lower my risk presumably <laughs> i hope so it's been a pleasure thank you very much Still to come on the Sunday 7, Will Guyatt talks us through the Reddit blackout and we track down an Ohio COVID mystery. There's really no good news on the climate these days as we struggle with hottest summers and the world struggles with more catastrophic weather events. US climate envoy John Kerry addressed the UN Security Council this week and he flagged climate change as one of the biggest risks humanity is facing. It's now indisputable, indisputable that the climate crisis is one of the top security threats, not just to the developed world, but to the entire planet, to life on the planet itself. One of the canaries in the coal mine, so to speak, in terms of global warming, is the rising temperatures in the Arctic and Antarctic. Those record temperatures have had catastrophic effects on the ice sheets, with scientists claiming that 7.5 billion tonnes of ice mass have already been lost at the North and South Poles. Melting glaciers and polar ice caps will lead to dramatic shifts in sea levels and science leader at the British Antarctic Survey, Mike Meredith, told Sky News that things may get much worse much sooner than we thought. Yikes. Projecting forward, what we do know, what the science tells us, is this is going to continue for as long as we keep putting greenhouse gases into the atmosphere unless we deal with climate change. This is going to carry on. Um, And in the Arctic, for example, it's one of the most dramatic changes. The ice is retreating so rapidly. And what we're beginning to see is that the projections that were made were possibly a bit conservative and we might get an ice-free Arctic in the 2030s even, which is possibly a whole decade sooner than we'd anticipated. Four. 
It's slightly weird the way humanity, at least in this neck of the woods, has adapted to COVID. As public inquiries into the pandemic begin, life's more or less returned to normal. That's despite COVID waves continuing around the world. It's more unusual now to see someone in a mask than without, but science's battle with COVID-19 hasn't stopped, and one of the more unusual diagnostic tools of the pandemic era has come to the fore once again. Scientists discovered that measuring, well, wastewater was quite a reliable indicator of the level of COVID infection in the general population. But now, in Ohio, that measurement of wastewater has turned up an extraordinary situation. Get this, researchers have been able to track one particular strain of COVID in two US cities, Columbus, Ohio, and the strangely named city of Washington Courthouse. They're only about 40 miles apart, and it appears that one person who lives in Columbus and works in Washington Courthouse has had the same strain of COVID for two full years. Dr. Mark Johnson's one of the leading wastewater experts, and he's been appealing for the person to come forward, as they may have long COVID, and he'd love to find out more. There are a lot of people who got COVID and never really got over it, and we don't know why. Probably most of them are not chronic infections, but some of them might be, which... Would actually be good because that's 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 theoretically treatable, and they can actually get better. Still to come on the Sunday Seven, tech guru Will Guyatt takes a dive into the Reddit blackout, and maybe you need a dating avatar. Maybe, perhaps. Right after this. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome back. Each week on the Sunday 7, we ask our resident tech guru, Will Guyatt, to untangle one of the big tech stories of the week. This week, we're taking a look at a row that's turned popular website Reddit dark as users and the CEO do battle. The site gets about 57 million daily users, but at the moment, it's not a happy camp. It's time to find out what is going on in the world of tech. And joining us every single week is our resident tech expert, Will Guyatt. Will, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, Jamie. Very good. Excellent. Now, can you tell me what's going on with Reddit? Yeah, this is a really interesting story. Now, many people might not know about Reddit. Reddit has grown a massive audience globally, uh, essentially uh, a collection of message boards, if you like, like in the old days, uh, people talking about all sorts of topics and um, kind of things that they're interested in in their own way. And these places are moderated by volunteers. And what's the big stink? I've noticed, I've read in the news, lots of these subreddits, these kind of message boards, are shutting down in protest over something, right? Yeah, there's an incredible story this week in that Reddit, who's been running successfully now for over a decade, have suddenly decided, uh, with very little notice, to start charging for access to what you call an API. Now, an API is a bit like the manual you used to be able to get for cars in the old days. It will explain everything you can do with something. And the idea is with an API in modern computing terms is um, you can use these kind of um, little bits of uh, instruction and programming they've got to access 
their system so somebody could create a third-party app. And what they suddenly said is, we're going to charge you to use these APIs. And companies that make apps uh, which are successful with Reddit, apps which read it and apps that um, enable you to have a better experience to find content and favorite content and that kind of stuff, um, they're even suggesting now that some of these companies, if they want to keep operating, Jamie, are going to have to pay up to $20 million in order to keep their services running. All of these services have said, we simply can't afford to do this and we think this is unfair. And as a result of that, essentially all of these subreddits have gone on strike, they've gone dark, they've closed themselves for posts and people can't post. And there is currently an absolutely insane Mexican standoff between the owners of Reddit who say they're not going to back down and the, um, the, the people who do the, the moderators and the volunteers who do these uh, Reddit subreddits uh, are refusing to open up again. So it's going to be very interesting to see what, what direction this takes. It's a dangerous game for Reddit to play, isn't it? If you rely solely on users to create your content and, and, and make you uh, business, are they cutting off their nose to spite their face and will they give in, do you think? It's going to be very interesting to see what happens because we've seen other platforms like Twitch, etc., try to suddenly make some very big changes to how people make money on them. And uh, the, the, the users of these platforms have all gone, no, that does not work for me. And they've backed away from these platforms. And these platforms pretty much nearly always um, row back to where they started at position one or, or come back in with a more favorable offer for the people who are creating stuff. But it does smack a little bit of we're not making enough money despite the fact that we're not paying anybody to, to moderate and run and make this platform what's popular. One of the bigger theories here though, Jamie, is it's not just about the cash. Reddit is saying we spend millions of dollars a year keeping all of these subreddits running, therefore we want some money. The biggest suggestion is these companies that have got APIs and access to all this juicy data and content on Reddit could potentially be sucking all of that content out of Reddit and training artificial intelligence and machine learning. So this is a suggestion that sort of the, the, the next generation of artificial intelligence could have effectively be trained by the mind of reddit which is slightly terrifying will as ever thank you so much we'll speak to you again next week thanks mate Most big cities have a big river. It's partly because of the way ancient man settled. Rivers were critical arteries for trade and supplies. But there aren't many big city rivers that you'd be keen to go for a swim in, are there? The UK's been wrestling with sewage leaks into rivers, but we're not alone. Paris also has river problems. Way back in 1900, the River Seine was so clean they held an Olympics in it. But with the 2024 Olympics heading to France, the pressure's been on to clean it up again. Part of the problem is when the river floods, the sewers overflow, so authorities are building a new underground basin to collect over one and a half million cubic feet of rainfall. Paris is using a company called Fluidion to help measure how well it's working, and CEO Dan Angelescu explains what they're doing. We're measuring two fecal indicator bacteria, E. coli and Enterococci. They both come from fecal matter, so their presence indicates contamination. And the level of concentration of these bacteria allows us to know whether it's safe to bathe in the water or not. One area where technology hasn't necessarily made our lives easier is dating. There are loads of dating apps, but it can be quite a soulless experience with prolonged exposure to swiping left or right leading to feelings of burnout. 
A 2022 US study saw 80% of people who'd used online dating apps complain of emotional burnout or fatigue. And while some of the apps do encourage users to browse mindfully, no one really seems to have cracked the problem. But now there's a new app in town and it's using, guess what, AI to help smooth out the dating process and cut down on things like ghosting by giving everyone a ghosting score, a bit like an Uber rating. The app's called Teaser AI, and they're also trying to cut down on the pointless small talk on apps by letting hopeful suitors chat with your avatar first before qualifying to chat to you in person. Our users kept on saying to us, I spend, and we could see when they would show us their phone, you know, they're spending seven hours a day on their phone, at least an hour a day on their constellation of dating apps. And uh, maybe they got, particularly the young women, a lot of matches, but it would be what we call this graveyard of ghosting. Uh, you would, you know, spend this hour a day getting all the matches together and then no one would ever say anything. And so you were left in this incredibly frustrated experience where you're investing all this time and hope and energy to meet someone and that wasn't happening. And so that was the problem really uh, that we decided to tackle. And of course, we're using generative AI, this new technology, uh, as one of the our efforts to tackle that problem. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Dog.